17, be looking at the prophet Elijah. Boy, I tell you what, Elijah was some kind of fella. I mean, he was definitely a guy whose life was marked by the almighty power of God. Uh, telling Joel uh, that I was going to be talking about Elijah tonight, he said Elijah was a strange guy. I said he was, and we'll look at this miracle later on. We'll be looking at it tonight. He said he was a strange guy. I said he was. He said, yeah. He said Elijah's sitting on top of a hill. A group of 500 men come and tell Elijah to come with them, and Elijah says no, and ask God to kill them, and God killed them. Another group of 500 men come and ask Elijah to, to come with them, and Elijah says no, ask God to kill them, and God killed them. And Joel said, and then a third group of 500 men came, and they said, Elijah, would you please go with us? And Elijah gets up and walks down the hill. He's like, he's just a strange dude, you know. I mean, what kind of guy is Elijah? But I'm telling you what, Elijah was a man who was in tune with God. Elijah was a man who had the hand of God upon his life and who God used to do many, many mighty works. And so we're going to be looking uh, at several miracles over the next few weeks that took place uh, at the hand of Elijah and just look at how God worked in Elijah's life. Uh, but tonight, uh, we're going to start right here in 1 Kings uh, chapter number 17. Uh, 1 Kings chapter number 17 is the first place that we find mention of Elijah. And Elijah just kind of shows up. We don't really have a uh, history. We don't have any childhood. We don't have any background of much of Elijah. Elijah just shows up on the scene. And, and when he shows up, he is a prophet. Uh, and he is delivering a message of coming judgment. And so we're going to be looking at Elijah and the miracle, the first miracle that we have recorded here that took place. Actually, it, we'll be looking at a couple of miracles because when Elijah showed up on the scene, the first thing that he did when he showed up on the scene was he declared judgment uh, uh, there upon the land of Israel. And because of that, he it was in a series uh, of miracles. So we're going to look tonight uh, at his first miracle of judgment that he declared on the nation and then the first miracle of provision that God gave to Elijah to take care of him. And then we'll see that there are several miracles of provision that God gives uh, to Elijah to protect him because of the results of the first miracle. So turn with me to 1 Kings 17. We'll begin our reading in verse number 1. The Bible says, And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord, for he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. I titled the message tonight, uh, A Rustic Motel with room service. I'm telling you what, this is about as rustic uh, as you can get as far as a lodging place. Uh, but hey, he had his meals delivered. You know what, this is the first Uber Eats right here. Here comes the ravens bringing them in. And so uh, we'll take it. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and then we'll get into this message about Elijah. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you, uh, Father, how we can get into your word and, Lord, how it can bless us and, Lord, how it can challenge us. And, Lord, as we begin to look at the life of this mighty man of God named Elijah. Father, as we look at, at his life and, Father, how he interacted with you, Father, I pray that you will help us to look at your word and, Father, to make comparisons to our own self and to, and to challenge our own self, Father, Lord, that we will be men of God and women of God who serve you 
uh, Lord, as Elijah did. And Father, we thank you for it. Bless now as we look at your word. And Father, we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. The first thing that we see here in 1 Kings chapter number 17 is the introduction of Elijah. The prophet uh, is introduced. It's the first thing that we see. It says here, And Elijah the Tishbite, uh, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab. This is the first mention that we find in the word of God of the prophet Elijah. As I said a moment ago, there's no history uh, that we can find in the word of God uh, concerning his childhood, uh, uh, anything about his parents, anything about his upbringing. Uh, uh, There's no uh, indication as to why or how uh, Elijah became a follower of God. Other people in the Bible, uh, we get a very descriptive uh, detail. Uh, We look at Abraham, we look at uh, Moses, and we have a very descriptive detail of how these people came to God. But Elijah, we don't get any of that. All we find out uh, is the Bible says, and Elijah the Tishbite, uh, who is of the inhabitants of Gilead, uh, shows up and says to Ahab, it's not going to rain. Now I'm telling you what, that is some kind of an introduction. But there is a little bit that we can put together about Elijah from the little bit that we have here. So we see in this introduction, uh, first of all, that the Bible says that Elijah was a Tishbite who was of the inhabitants of Gilead. And then if you go over to 2 Kings chapter number 1, verses 7 and 8, I've got the verse on the screen for you, we find a description of Elijah's physical appearance. The Bible says, And he said unto them, What manner of man was he which came up to meet you and told you these words? And they answered him, He was a hairy man, and girt with a girdle of leather about his loins. And he said, It is Elijah the Tishbite. This guy was distinctive. He was a guy that stood out. Uh, uh, This was something it was easy to see. He said, who was it that talked to you? He said, well, he said he was a hairy guy. He said, and he had his loins girt about with a leather girdle. uh, And he said, that had to be Elijah. This was his physical appearance. So we have two things here uh, that give us an idea. From these two records, we can kind of begin to formulate a little bit of an idea of who Elijah was. I want to take just a moment and introduce you to Elijah from what we can gather from what we know from the Word of God. So the first thing that we see in chapter number 17, we find that Elijah was a Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead. Now I did a good bit of research on Gilead and the Tishbites, and the Tishbite was from the community or the land, more of an area than a community of Tishbite. And Tishbe was an area in the mountains of Gilead. Now the mountains of Gilead were a very, very rugged place. They were, they were steep and actually for the most part they were uninhabited. Nobody lived in the mountains of Gilead because it was so rugged there. I mean in order to live in the mountains of Gilead you had to be a billy goat. I mean, these guys, uh, these were guys who were uh, rough. The, the inhabitants of Gilead were people who were uncut, uh, un, not uh, uncut, they were uh, uh, unrefined. That's the word I'm looking for. They were unrefined. Uh, they were rough people. Uh, uh, they Survival was the norm. I mean, they lived in those mountains. Uh, uh, hardness was their daily life. It's what they were used to. Uh, uh, survival was an everyday thing. Uh, these men were uh, men who uh, endured hardness. They were men who could uh, climb up and down the mountains. Uh, And for the most part, these guys, when they came into the community, nobody wanted to mess with them. They didn't have all the polish that most everybody else did. And and they were just men. You could say that they were mountain men. 
I, I picture in my mind a Grizzly Adams here. You know, I'm telling you what, these guys were just tough, man. They lived off the land, and that's who the inhabitants of Gilead was. For the most part, it was a barren land. But the people that lived there were tough, rugged, hardened, weather-hardened people. Now, the Bible says that Elijah was a Tishbite. That means that Elijah was born there. Now, you know what? You have two types of people when you come to an area. You have those that are born there, and you have those that are transplants. Now, bad as I hate to admit it, I'm a transplant. I wasn't born here, see. I was transplanted to Virginia. But uh, Aiden here, uh, somebody said something to him one time about being a West Virginian, and he said, actually, I was born in Rayfane. <laughs> he says he's as home as you can get. He was born in our double white, on our in our driveway in Rayfine. He was born here. I'm telling you what, this boy is as home as you can get. And there's a difference to being a transplant and being home born. Elijah was born in the mountains of Gilead. That means when he was learning to crawl, he was learning to crawl across the rocks. When he was learning to get his dinner, he was catching it himself. I mean, this boy grew up a rough, tough, rugged guy. This is who he was. And so now that you understand where he's from, when we go back to 2 Kings and we read the description of how he was dressed, it kind of makes sense. He didn't go far from his roots, you know. He, although he had been a prophet for a while and he had been preaching for a while and he had been carrying the message for a while, it was still obvious who Elijah was. His, his heritage was still on him. He was that hairy guy with a leather belt tied around his waist. He was a Tishbite. If you look throughout the Word of God, you'll find that most every reference to Elijah refers to him as Elijah the Tishbite. His heritage was something that never left him. He was one rough fella. Elijah the Tishbite. Now, I, I give you that for two reasons. One is because Elijah's kind of my hero because I like mountain men. I like tough guys. I like guys that grew up in the mountains, and I think most all of us do. And so I kind of like Elijah because of his background. But it also helps us to see what was going on whenever Elijah showed up in the palace. You know, whenever you... Whenever you look at Elijah and you think about him going into the palace. So here's Elijah, unrefined, rough-looking fella, and he goes into the palace that's full of comforts and refinery, and all around serving are the prophets of Baal. Now the prophets of Baal uh, tended to wear white linen robes, and they wore headdresses, really tall white headdresses. Now, can you see the stark contrast uh, whenever Elijah walks in uh, and here he is in all this refinery and all these comforts uh, and all these prophets of Baal and all their white, and here is Elijah. He stood out. He looked completely out of place. Now, there's been some time whenever we find ourselves in a situation where we feel completely out of place. And because we feel out of place, we feel like we are not able to do what we are supposed to do. Whatever it was we were supposed to do, we got there, we get there, we feel out of place, and we really just want to go back home. I remember going to a preacher's conference uh, when I was uh, 14 or 15 years old. And uh, so I was invited to go with another pastor to a pastor's conference. Uh, and I said, sure, I'll go with you. And I showed up. I had on my cowboy boots, my blue jeans, my flannel shirt, had my knife on my side. And I walked into that conference room and every person in the room had on a suit. 
and not, not one of these Goodwill kind like I wear. They had on nice suits. And I looked around, and Brother Terry, I just wanted to go home. I'm like, I, I'm in the wrong place. I don't belong here. But you know what? Over the course of the conference, made some friends, folks I'm still friends with today. And I just, you know, I found out that they wear jeans and flannels when they're not at the preacher's church too. So it all worked out. But you know what? A lot of times you'll feel out of place. But we see here that Elijah was exactly who God needed for the job. Often you'll hear people say statements such as, I've even made statements like this myself. I was born into the wrong era. I should have lived in a different time period. You'll hear people make statements like that. You know what? God has created each and every person specifically for the time and place where they are. He has given each and every person the skills and ability that they need that are necessary to accomplish His purpose in their life. Wherever you are, God has created you for exactly where you ought to be. Elijah seemed out of place in the king's palace, but Elijah was exactly where God wanted him to be. Elijah looked out of place in the king's palace, but Elijah was exactly who God needed for that time. And as we move forward in this story, we're going to see why God chose Elijah for this job. But when Elijah walked into the king's palace, Elijah didn't match. Elijah didn't blend in. Elijah was out of place. Elijah didn't have all the refined words and all the right lingo to talk to the king. But Elijah was exactly who God wanted for the job. Before we move on, let me just give you this challenge. Wherever you're at, whatever it is that you're doing, God designed you and God placed you. Now you just be you and let God use you wherever he puts you. We see here that Elijah showed up and Elijah walked in and he didn't waste any time. In verse number 1, we see that the message is delivered. And Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth, before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. Now in Deuteronomy chapter number 11, verses 16 and 17, in the law that God gave to the children of Israel, God established that one of the judgments for apostasy was famine. If you turn to follow false gods, one of the things that will happen is famine. Deuteronomy 11, 16 and 17 says, Take heed to yourselves, that your heart be not deceived, and ye turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. And then the Lord's wrath be kindled against you, and he shut up the heaven, that there be no rain, and that the land yield not her fruit, unless ye perish quickly from off the good land which the Lord giveth you. So the Lord had established that if you turn to worshiping false gods, uh, I'm going to shut off the rain. This is something that's going to happen. This is something I'm proclaiming to you. And whenever Elijah showed up on the scene there at Israel, Israel was steeped in idol worship. Uh, they had turned their hearts away from God. They were steeped in the worship of Baal. So it was very fitting that when Elijah showed up, first thing he said to Ahab was it's not going to rain. We're shutting the valves off. It was pretty clear why this judgment was taking place. Elijah showed up and Elijah said we're turning the valves off, we're shutting the rain down and everyone knew it was because they had turned to follow of false gods. You know oftentimes the difficulties we face when we live in sin and refuse to repent is clearly outlined in the word of God. This was clearly placed in Deuteronomy. If you worship false gods, we're going to shut the rain off. 
It was clearly there, and yet they turned to worship false gods. They shouldn't have been surprised when God turned the rain off. And you know what? Even so, in our day, whenever people insist on continuing in sin, and they insist on not repenting of their sin, they insist on not turning back to God, the Bible is full of warnings that says you will have repercussions if you continue to live in sin. You know what the Bible tells us in uh, Numbers 32 and verse number 23? Be sure your sin will find you out. Now as a little kid, my parents taught me that that meant that somebody would always find out that I had sinned. That's what they taught me. And I believed it and it did help my behavior some. But as I got older and I looked at this passage of Scripture, I found out that's not what it was saying at all. Matter of fact, this passage of Scripture don't say anything about a person finding out that I'm sinning. It doesn't say anything about that. It says that my sin will find me out. You know what? I might be able to hide from you that I've got sin in my life. I might be able to, to hide from many people that there are some things in my life that ought not be there. But there's one thing that will definitely happen no matter how good I find it is that the repercussions and the penalties and the judgments that result from sin will come into my life no matter how good I hide. It's like a cancer. You can have a cancer inside your body. You can act like everything's okay. But it is in there slowly but surely destroying cells. And sooner or later, no matter how good you hide it, it'll find you out. You might be able to hide your sin. You might be able to camouflage it. You might be able to pretend that there's nothing wrong going on. But mark it down. Your sin will find you out. Your sin will suffer. Your sin will get you. You'll never escape the effects of your sin. But Elijah came and Elijah told Israel, that they were steeped in sin. And Elijah told Israel that because of their sin, there was judgment coming. But Israel responded the way that most people respond whenever they're told that they're not doing what they ought to be doing. You know, wouldn't it be wonderful if you could tell people, hey, you're doing something you shouldn't and they just automatically forsake it? Wouldn't it work out better? But the problem is it just don't ever seem to work out that way. Most of the time, whenever you point out someone's sin, they become angry. And that's exactly what happened. And so we see that... Uh, uh, Elijah went and he told Ahab and apparently Ahab got very upset about this because immediately we see that Elijah had to go into hiding to preserve his life. In verse number 3 we see that the danger is avoided. After Elijah showed up and told Ahab that the rain was going to be cut off, that God told Elijah in verse number 3, Get thee hence and turn thee eastward and hide thyself by the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. So we see that the danger is avoided. And then in verse number 4, we see that the sustenance is provided, or promised. It says in verse number 4, And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. We see that Elijah went in, Elijah prophesied, and the king said, all right, we're going to kill Elijah. And God said to Elijah, we got to put you into hiding. And so God avoided the danger, and God promised that he would take care of Elijah. And he told Elijah, he said, go, get down by the brook Cherith. He said, and it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee. God said, go into hiding, 
and I'll take care of you there. One of my favorite passages of Scripture in the entire Word of God is in Matthew chapter number 6. At verse number 31 down through verse number 33 says, Therefore, take no thought for the... Now take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. God has promised that if you and I submit to do His will, He will provide our need. The problem is that sometimes we want to predict how He's going to provide those needs. God says, I'll provide all your needs, and so we have an expectation of how He's going to provide those needs. But oftentimes God uses some pretty unconventional ways to meet our needs. Here we see that He used the ravens uh, to carry food to Elijah as he sat by the river bank. In our lives, His provision may be in the form of a gift that someone gives you. It may be in a job opportunity that He opens up to you. It may be that God wants to send some ravens to feed you. Uh, maybe not necessarily blackbirds, uh, but some type of unconventional way that God is going to take care of you. But one thing we know for sure is that God has promised uh, that if we will do His will, He will provide for His children. We see here that God had a particular job for Elijah to do, and as a result of that job, Elijah was going to find himself hiding for his life. But God had already worked out all the details. Don't you like how God's already way ahead? God had already made the reservations. He had already called the motel down there at Cherith and said, Elijah's coming, he's going to have an extended stay. He had already talked to the ravens, said he's going to need food three times a day. Y'all going to have to get you get yourselves together and get lined up. Uh, God already made the reservations. He already had it in place. He said, Elijah, go to Ahab. Elijah went to Ahab, and he told Ahab what was going to happen. And God said, now, Elijah, go to Cherith. I'm going to have to hide you there for a while. He had an, a, a job, and he had everything worked out. All that was necessary was for Elijah to exercise his faith. All that was necessary now was for Elijah to exercise his faith. We see in verse number 5 that the Bible says, So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord. For he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. The Bible tells us in James chapter number 2 that faith without works is dead. Now, that does not mean that faith is works, because faith is not works. Works and faith are completely different things. But it does mean that faith will result in works. Faith is believing. And when you believe something, your actions represent what you believe. So faith will produce action. Because you believe it, you will act upon it. Many times uh, uh, people uh, will say, I believe I can do this, uh, or I believe uh, that that is possible. But whenever it comes down to them actually doing it, you find out that they don't really believe it. The story is told often of the guy pushing the wheelbar across the tightrope. Uh, and a guy said to him, could you do that with a guy in the wheelbar? And he said, yes, I could. And, uh, and so the, he said, do you believe it? And the man said, yeah, I believe you could. He said, hop in the wheelbar. Oh, he ain't getting in the wheelbar. See, there's really no faith there because it didn't produce any works. If he would have truly believed that he would have been 100% safe in the wheelbar, he'd have got in the wheelbar. Faith always produces works. But God said to Elijah, he said, you're going to have to hide for a while, partner. I kind of gave you a risky uh, job. 
Now you're going to have to go hide. Here's what you got to do. you got to go down to the brook. He said, and the ravens are going to feed you. Now what Elijah had to do was act in faith and do what God had told him to do. We see that Elijah exercised his faith. Elijah acted on the promise of God. You know what? Whenever we set aside our doubts and our fears and we act on the promises of God, we will experience the miraculous. And in verse number 6, we see that that's exactly what happened. The miraculous was experienced because Elijah acted on the promise of God. The Bible says in verse number 6, And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, and bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. Now, as I said in the beginning, Elijah was a mountain man. Elijah grew up in the mountains. Elijah was tough. Elijah was rugged. Elijah had drank from the brook a lot of times. Elijah probably had a habit of crawling over to the brook and drinking out of the brook. This was no nothing out of the ordinary. Sleeping underneath the trees, uh, why, that's probably what he did as an infant. Uh, Elijah grew up in the mountains. Elijah was used to sleeping under the trees. Elijah was used to drinking out of the brook. Uh, Elijah was accustomed to, to what he was going to do. You say, now, now what, what are you saying, Pastor John? I'm saying that Elijah was the man that God needed for this job because although he seemed out of place in the palace, God knew that he was going to have to go in hiding. And he needed a man who would be able to survive by the brook. You know what? There's some folks, maybe you know some of them, that just wouldn't make it beside the brook. <laughs> there are some folks who if God told them to go live by the brook, it don't matter if the ravens was bringing steak and potatoes every day, they would not survive sleeping underneath the tree, drinking out of the river. They just wouldn't cut it for them. That's not something they'd be accustomed to do, not something they'd be able to do. But Elijah was right at home. Elijah was like, go to the brook, sleep under the stars. The ravens are going to feed me. I can do this, God. Elijah went and Elijah's down by the brook. But we see here that Elijah experienced something that I believe only a mountain guy like Elijah could fully appreciate. And that's the ravens brought him food every day. And Elijah, being the rough guy that he was and, and the rugged mountain guy that he was, I'm sure he'd seen a lot of things. He'd interacted with a lot of wildlife. He'd never had ravens bring him food. And just, just thinking like a mountain guy, I can just see him sitting there, and here comes that raven in. God told him the raven was going to bring the food. I don't know if Elijah was completely believing or if he was apprehensive, hoping where exactly his faith level was that first day. But he looked up, and here comes in several ravens uh, uh, bringing in whatever they uh, found, whatever God had them provide for him. I do believe that it was good food that was fit for a human to eat, not some kind of carnage that they found along the way. I believe that God sent stuff that Elijah would enjoy. And Elijah looked up, and here comes this raven flying in. And a raven, if you if you ever hear a raven, they kind of sound like a crow with a with a, a hoarse throat, you know, like a, a, they, they just can't quite get to call out. I mean, that's sort of more what it sounds like, you know. And here them birds come in, and they're calling and everything. And Elijah looks up there, come on in here. Oh, looky here. The raven lands beside him and hands him the hot roll that he stole from somewhere. Elijah's like, wow, this ain't bad. And bites into that roll, you know, and he begins to enjoy the meal. And being the type of guy that Elijah was, I believe Elijah was right at home there by the brook. I imagine by the time the brook dried up, which we'll look at next week, 
By the time the brook dried up, I imagine every one of those ravens had a name. He knew them by name. I imagine they'd said on his shoulders that, you know, a raven or a crow you can teach to talk just like you can a parrot. And they, they just have more of a mountain kind of uh, accent. But you can, you can teach them to talk just like you can a parrot. I imagine them ravens was talking to him and they would repeat what he would say. I imagine they had a good time. Matter of fact, because of who Elijah was and because God handpicked him for this task, while Elijah's journey or his time spent on the river to some people would have been a nightmare. I imagine it was a time of relaxation and refreshment because of who Elijah was. I imagine some of his best memories came from those weeks and that he spent there on the river watching for them ravens. Come on, come on Fred and Tom and whatever, probably had Hebrew names. Come on, come on. Well, come on in here and they bring him the food and he'd talk to those birds some of his best times. You know what I'm trying to say? What we can get from this message is that God made you exactly who you are. He put you exactly where you are. And although you may feel like you're out of place, God knows exactly why and where you're where you're at. And what you need to do is be who you are. If Elijah would have decided, I'm going into the palace, I, I, need, to, I need to get me one of them white silk robes and one of them tall white hats so I blend in he'd have been all out of place. If Elijah would have said, no, no, I'm a, I'm a preacher. I can't go down by the river. We're going to have to do something else. No, God made Elijah for exactly the person he needed him to be so that Elijah could fulfill the task that God needed him to fulfill. And as we go throughout looking at the miracles that took place in Elijah's life, understanding his background and how God created him, the stories make so much more sense now. Because we see that God created a man particularly for the job. This evening I ask you this question. Do you want to experience the miraculous? Do you want to have a, 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 thing, a place in life that totally fulfills who you are while you're serving God? I told someone the other day, I said God wants His children to be happy while they're serving Him. And He creates us and molds us and makes us so that whenever we submit our will to Him and we allow Him to place us where He wants us to be, we will be happy serving God. If you are miserable in your place of service, chances are you're in the wrong place. I believe Elijah enjoyed himself down by the river. He's like, man, this is the life. This is like being back home. This is all right, God. He was happy while he was serving God. Do you want to experience the miraculous? Do you want to be a recipient of the bountiful hand of God's blessing? Then serve him where you are. Be who you are. And watch as God provide you a motel with room service. Let God bring the blessings into you. Hopefully that's been a blessing to you. I feel like I didn't deliver it near as good as it was on the inside. That happens sometimes when you're a preacher. Man, you get and you study a lesson and you just full of it, and you try to get it out, and it gets hung up somewhere about right here and just comes out in pieces like a shotgun. So I hope that y'all got some of that. Man, I'm telling you what, I was having a ball while I was putting this message together. I'm like, man, this is awesome. God made Elijah for the job. And so hopefully God, the Lord can take some of my uh, stumbling and my fumbling, and he can use it to bless you this evening. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your goodness. I thank you, Lord, for your word. And Father, I thank you for the story of Elijah. God, a man who you created for the job. And Lord, whenever he did what you asked him to do, Lord, he was right at home doing it. And Father, I thank you for this 
a testimony of this example. And Father, I pray that you'll help us to look at it and help us to learn from it. That Father, Lord, you made us exactly who we are and put us where we are. That Lord, we can be the most efficient for you. And Father, I thank you for it. Bless us now as we go throughout the rest of this week. I pray to the Lord that you'll bless each and everything that we do, uh, Lord, to bring glory to you. And Father, I ask you to give us opportunity to tell someone about you, that, Lord, we might see them come to know you as Lord and Savior. Father, we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.